0: Have you ever done something that you didn't want to do and it actually ended up paying dividends? Maybe it's as simple as when you were a kid and you didn't want to eat your vegetables. But your mom threw some broccoli, threw some carrots, threw some rutabaga, maybe some bok choy. Maybe she was getting real exotic with the different vegetables thrown on your plate. Then you grew up big and strong and you're able to do so much more than you could do if you hadn't eaten those vegetables and you were only eating Pop-Tarts mixed with Captain Crunch, mixed with seven different types of cookies. That does sound pretty delicious, so I'm sorry if I just made your mouth water, but you can combine it with the vegetables, You know, throw a little kale on top, all kinds of goodness. Or maybe you ended up in a career that you never thought you'd be in because you said yes to something That previously you had said, "Mm mm-mm, I'm good, no thanks. Holly Kirby is a leadership coach, a speaker, a podcast host, an entrepreneur, and an author. And those last two, she had no intentions of being, she never wanted to start her own business, she never wanted to write a book, but guess what, she's doing both of those things, and her book comes out on April 28th, Facelift, Embracing Hope Through Your Heartaches, so, we're talking all about how she stumbled into this entrepreneurial journey of hers, how it's been going, what she's seen that surprised her along the way, as well as some of her most helpful tools, why she believes in having a mission statement, and her most challenging speaking gig, which turned into perhaps her most memorable one. There's lots of good shenanigans going on, so you love to see it. One quick housekeeping item before we get rolling if you enjoyed, This podcast episode today By the end of it Please tell someone else About the show Be like hey Good people cool things That's a pretty cool show They can listen to any episode At goodpeoplecoolthings.com Or anywhere They're listening to a podcast Where you are listening To this podcast right now You can even send a link I'm also a big fan of Podlink Which is a great way To share a show Even if it's not this show I would be very distressed If you shared another show With someone And didn't share this show as well But either way, you go to Podlink, you search your favorite show, then it sends a link for every platform that that show is on. It's so simple. It's so lovely. I wish more people knew about Podlink. So go tell someone about Podlink, too, while you're telling them about this show. I'm Joey Held. This is Good People Cool Things. And here's my conversation with Holly Kirby. To kick it off. Can you give us your name and your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on?
1: Ooh, absolutely. So I'm Holly Kirby, and I am, I'd say I'm, my hands are kind of in a lot of different things, which I'm absolutely loving. One is I have the privilege of representing the brand of a well-known national uh, restaurant that is a family and faith-based as well. So I love doing that, and they're, they're so good to me, and I love being able to be a part of the community and show care and all of that. But then on the side, and, and that's what I think we're more going to be talking about, is things that I've developed with my leadership coaching and motivational speaking and uh, being the the host and producer of Polly's Highlights Podcast, and then also my new book. So that is a new venture that is is a new one coming on as it releases April 28th. Of course, I have two kids, and those are my pride and joy. So I love being a mom, and that would be, as I would say, my top priority. So the type of elevator we're riding on is, I would just say, one where we can talk, right? Just want to be able to, to get to know each other and encourage one another and inspire, um, hopefully, those who are listening, but as well as be inspired ourselves.
0: I love it. I love it. And without giving too much away about this restaurant, what's the best thing on the menu?
1: Well, I like the waffle fries. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But a lot of people like their their chicken. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
0: I like it. I like it. Yes. (laughs) I was like, I don't I don't know how much to give away, but I like the uh, we'll let we'll let people do their own math. Absolutely. (laughs)
1: Absolutely.
0: Now a question I always like to ask. Uh, Is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And I usually kind of save this for later in the episode. But I think it's a nice kind of kickoff type of thing. Because you mentioned a book, you mentioned how you're an entrepreneur. Did you ever want to write a book or become an entrepreneur?
1: No, 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 I didn't. In fact, the whole entrepreneur thing just kind of fell on my lap. And and how it really did was, as I was being asked to go and speak at these uh, motivational opportunities, whether it be to speak for uh, cities, uh, speaking for schools and colleges, speaking for nonprofit organizations, uh, opportunities would come where people would want to talk with me. and And they just found both the approachability as well as some wisdom within it was which I was grateful for but that added of course to my time right and although i am so so happy and and feel truly honored to be able to help others out i found that i had to set a boundary and that boundary became coaching and so from there with the the speaking going on and the coaching and then my mom's i would say nagging of writing this book i went to my tax advisor and just said hey what do i do with all this you know i want to make sure that everything is on up and up and I'm doing things as I should. And he said, it's time to start a business. And and there started my entrepreneurship adventure. So no, never even thought I would do it. But of course, it just one path led to another and voila, here we are. So as far as wanting to write a book, no, no, I didn't want to do that either. And uh, as I've shared before, my mom was the catalyst for that. And so the day that she died, she actually was diagnosed with glioblastoma brain cancer almost four years ago. And it took her pretty quickly after seven and a half months. And so the day she died, I promised her I would write that book. And of course, as we all know, then the pandemic hit and suddenly I found myself with time to write the book. And uh, then last year it was picked up by a publisher and now it's getting ready to release April 28th. So here we are.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. So Clearly there's there's like a motivation behind it, since that's a promise you made to your mom. But in talking with with other authors either on this podcast or elsewhere, sometimes it can still be a challenge. Like it's definitely a slog to write a book. And I think that really doesn't go away even if you've written, you know, eight, ten or more books like that. Like I know having written one book, I was like, this took a very long time. And there'd be days where I'm like, I'm gonna get so much done and then something happens and and all of that. So what you, you said there's more time during the pandemic, but I'm sure it wasn't all just one lovely, linear, I'm trying to remember what the official name <laughs> of it is, just the straight line graph right. Right, that we all remember from math class. It's probably, probably some bumps and, and twists yeah. along the way. So how did you find the entire process of writing a book that you kind of didn't want to write?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I think the process for me was fairly easy. Once I sat down and thought, okay, now I have the time to write the book. I'm going to push this thing out. And I had it out pretty quickly. I want to say I had it out, I think it started around March and it was done by July. So the writing process itself was was, to me, came very easy. It was the steps that followed. That were my bumps, and I, I think I was my biggest bump of all, and, and and not just one time, but repetitively, right? Because I would get so discouraged, and in my own head, of well, maybe I. I was to promise her that I would write the book, but I never said anything about publishing it, right? So I would try to do like almost these like head games with myself of, you know, it's the imposter syndrome. You know, you're not good enough. Who are you to write this book? And then the discouragements of just uh, challenges that would come along of or fears, right? The fears that can set in as well of what are people going to think or or how is this going to be accepted or will it be rejected or, or all of this stuff that comes along in the past. So for me, it was more of the, the bumps, the repeated bumps of Wanting to put on those brakes and just be like, you know what? I fulfilled my promise of writing it. I I never said I was going to do anything else. But it was then that something would come along to, to encourage me along the way, whether it would be an author I would reach out to and he offered to pay my way to go to George, uh, Georgetown University to attend a writing class. And it was like, wait, who does that? You know, right? So I, I was so grateful for not just the offer, it was the encouragement that, that that provided to me of someone believing in me and going, you can do this. This is the next step. Or another author I had reached out to, and she graciously got back to me and just provided some insights and even a connection, basically like a golden ticket per se, in reaching out to a publisher. And once again, it was like, this doesn't happen. You usually have to go through a literary agent to be able to get to that acquisition editor in the publishing uh, business. So again, just time after time, there was encouragements of open doors just pushing me through and going, yeah, this is the next step. This is the next step.
0: I think that's something that I, I found during writing my book too, of just like how many people are willing to help in some way, which You really don't realize until, I mean, I'm not saying everyone listening has to go write a book to learn this, but it's like when you're, when you're doing kind of a a massive undertaking of some kind, like it is cool to see people in some cases kind of coming out of the woodwork. Like there were some people I hadn't talked to in probably months that, you know, heard about it or I I reached out to them because I was like, Hey, you seem like you might be interested in this. Like Here, here's the information, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm happy to help, and you know whatever I I can." Which I thought was a very, a very cool twist on things. And I know we've talked about the book. I don't know if we've actually said the title, but it's called "Facelift: Embracing Hope Through Heartaches." A two part question for you. Obviously, what can readers expect? But I always like. I think this is a very, probably a dumb question for an audio only podcast, but I always like to talk about the cover of books because that is. Despite the saying of not judging a book by its cover, that is what a lot of people do. And they'll see the cover and that's like the first thing that catches their eye. Maybe they get to read a blur, but it might just be like cover alone draws them in. And you have yourself on the cover because it is a very personal journey and and story. I would never want my face to be on a cover of the book. So did was that something that you always had in mind? And how terrifying was it to have yourself on the cover of your book?
1: Let's go back to I never wanted to write this book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it was extremely, extremely vulnerable for me. And yes, I am, I am a person who lives with intentionality. And so the entire book is filled with, with, with just that. It is so intentional on every level. And so when it came to the cover and different things that we were looking at, it, it took me back to, um, oh goodness, about a year after my, well, not even my divorce, a year into my separation. And I was actually on a trip with my mother and my two kids. And I saw this painting where this lady was in this just very haggard room, you know, paint kind of falling off of the walls and there was shattered glass everywhere on the ground. And she was just stretched out in this bright red dress and dancing so carefree. And I remember seeing that picture and, and just feeling a connection with it. Of That's how I'm feeling. Like I feel that that my life has shattered as I knew it and yet i just wanted to to remind myself and i felt like god was reminding me you're going to make it and and you're going to get to a point where you can you can be carefree you can dance again and you can live again and so the the cover going back to that is is that's i wanted to encompass all of that, of, of bringing that hope to the readers that whatever is going on in life, no matter how shattered and destroyed things can seem or feel, there is such hope and, and you will overcome this. You will thrive from this and it can be used also. So that's where the, the book cover came about. So on the bottom, you'll see the shattered glass and that is specifically from that painting that that I saw. And of course, that kind of haggard background reflects that as well and then the computer on my lap definitely correlates with the social media impact. And you'll find that spread throughout the entire book. And And just this perception of social media always having a negative influence. Well, no, it's, it's how do we choose to use it, right? We, we've got to take ownership of, of things like that. and And so how will we use it? And throughout the entire book, you can see that I pressed into using social media to try to be real and raw and authentic uh, at the same time, encourage others. But yeah, I was being so encouraged by them. So uh, I loved how the the creative editor of the publishing company that I'm with even put a little flower on the front cover, just showing that from this dirt, that beauty can come. So it, it you know, it never was, <laughs> was uh, pre-thought out of oh you know I have my face on the cover no I, I am if you know me you know that is not me it's very vulnerable <laughs> vulnerable moment and then of course to put it out there it's like okay here you go so yeah yeah that was that was hard but it is what it is and and throughout the whole book you get the genuine raw me so it, that's where I am on the front cover too
0: <laughs> excellent so we'll expect a sequel next year oh, well.
1: <laughs> I don't know about that this this gave it my all <laughs>
0: So talking a little more on like the broad entrepreneurial sort of spectrum, I think something just from, you know, a a quick little like basic research for this, that a mission statement is very important to you. And I think that can be kind of a step that a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes overlook um, or maybe kind of have a vague sense of it. Maybe it's like uh, a tactic instead of like a mission statement. So. If you don't mind, could you share your mission statement and yeah. what makes from like a eh, mission statement to a really good one?
1: Yeah. Mine would be to encourage, inspire, and equip others to intentionally live their life. Pretty basic. And that's just who I am. I like to encourage other people. I, I don't realize the inspiration that comes. I, I still I have a hard time sometimes believing that uh, things that I share are inspirational, but that is something that uh, has, has been reflected back to me in, in the comments I've received. So things that we can use that we don't even realize about our life that truly can inspire others. And then equip. And how do we equip them? Is, is it's not just, you know, have them one of those sessions where you sit there and hash everything out. No, it, it's, okay, then what do we do with this? How, how can we use this? Where can we take this? How can we grow from this, learn from it? And just have that self-development mindset, that growth mindset. So taking those three and... Personally, impacting them into each of our lives of living our life intentionally, and so I, I look at everything that I do with the podcast, with the book, with the writing that I'm involved in, uh, with my website, with my speaking, you know, everything, social media. I go back to how is this encouraging? How is it inspiring? How is it equipping? And if it's not one of those, it's it's not going to make the cut. So it helps me stay grounded too. And and we can, you know, as well uh, that. Everything there's so many different squirrels to go off on, right? And so, just when we think, oh, I should be doing that, or, or we'll see someone that's in our genre of of what they do as a creative artist or an entrepreneur, and you think, oh, I need to add that. Well, that's not necessarily for us. Let them succeed for in that, and and uh, you know, blowing out someone else's candle doesn't make your shine any brighter, right? So encourage them in that area. But stick with what your niche is. Stick with who you are and what comes natural and authentically to you. And so, I just find a mission statement helps ground you, so you don't chase those squirrels. But go back to okay, what what is my intention? What what is my purpose in this?
0: I like that. And I had a candle blowing or j- blowing light, <laughs> a lit <laughs> candle, right before jumping on this recording. So I had to I had to blow it out. So I like that metaphor of of Blowing someone else's candle out doesn't, doesn't make your shine brighter. Mm-mm. But it does mean my dogs will not be starting a fire in the house. So <laughs> I'm all for move. that. Smart move. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. All for it. There's safety it. issues too. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, entrepreneurship wasn't always the plan, wasn't wasn't the plan at all, really. And then I think even talking with people who, like, when they were five, they're like, I want to start a business. Like, that's been their, their hope and dream their whole life there's still all kinds of surprises and unforeseen things. So what's something about being an entrepreneur that surprised you?
1: I think one is the challenges. I, I mean, there's going to be a challenge with anything, but the challenges that you're going to have to overcome. And in my case, myself, you know, what I, I talk on some of my podcast episodes of one of my biggest issues was that, as I referred to earlier, the imposter, imposter syndrome, where you're just thinking, who am I to do this? And, and, Are people going to learn from this and grow from this? And is this the direction I should be going? And so the challenges you're going to have to overcome, not necessarily to succeed, because if you're doing, if you're on the right path, you're supposed to be on. Success is going to come, but there's another thing is what does success look like to you? So success to me is not going to be the fame or the fortune. It's going to be the purpose of going back to, is it encouraging? Is it inspiring? Is it equipping people? And if it is, that has been successful to me. So you've got to look at the challenges that you're going to present to yourself, but then also that are going to come along the way to just uh, be able to press through some things to go, no, I am on that right track and, and keep going.
0: I feel like I see these discussions on Twitter all the time lately of someone being like, hey, I need to like better take control of my calendar or like I've missed like six months of emails because I'm so bad at checking email or whatever. And then they're asking for like a resource or a tool or something like that. So in your journey, have you found whether it's like an organization tool or, or some kind of technology or maybe it's just like the act of journaling or whatever, but some sort of resource that has been very helpful to you that you think might help some other people?
1: <laughs> well, those who I work with would laugh because they would tell you, yes, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a pen and a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I am so old school. You know, there's so many apps out there that work for people and that's great. And there's so many different resources and, and gadgets available. I, I truly am old school. I, I've always have a, a, Pen and a piece of paper or a pad of paper with me. I'm always taking notes. I'm always jotting down my to do list, and and so I'm staying productive. I think that is one thing. Is we can definitely learn our personality traits, and and you can take personality assessments for those. One of my favorite is Discover Your Strengths, and that really takes you through looking at kind of your top five and helps you understand a little bit more about yourself. So for myself, I know that I'm an achiever, and so I always have to have a goal, and I also have to to like, well, I tend to like to just check things off. And so therefore, I know having that piece of paper and that that pen with me, I'm able to jot down to keep me productive, keep me achieving. But then also, there's such uh, self gratification, I guess, of being able to check something off. So I think Ultimately, it's going to depend on what works for you, and everyone's going to be so different. For some, it's it's that app. For others, it's it's having a mentor that helps push them through it, or a, a leadership or a life coach that holds them accountable. So there's so many different avenues and resources, but it's what works for you. And at the end of the day, my pad of paper and my pen are, are pretty much all that I need.
0: <laughs> crossing something off a list is so gratifying, Isn't like it? just the act of, of crossing. It? So I I empathize. Do you have? Since you're, you're so uh, – you always have a pen and paper. Do you have like a preferred pen? Are you that in the weeds where you're like, I need the like Bic 5500 or whatever?
1: I feel like you're like reading into my soul right now. <laughs> 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 I do. And, and I can't say that it is a brand, but it is a color. I have to have a purple, a pink or a blue and and when I say blue I'm not talking just like your regular writing pen blue I'm talking almost like a felt blue or even like a turquoise blue if you're going to go with the ink but yeah I do I have have color I I love color there's something about colorful uh well color that just brings life to to color and just brings me joy and um kind of just makes me smile so yeah and I do color code things too I I may be a little OCD maybe a little (laughs) bit
0: Well, I like that. Yeah. I was going to ask if there's, if there's uh certain like codes for, for each color. So they're, lovely, they're lovely camping. to hear.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the elements that you've mentioned is your speaking career as well. And I always like to ask anyone that does anything that's like on a stage, what's one of the worst gigs that you've had?
1: Ooh, one of the worst gigs. That's a really good question. I, you yeah, I've been so fortunate to be able to speak with so many that are very respectful and accommodating. And when I mean accommodating, just like, uh, I guess giving you attention and encouragement and uh, even some validation if we're being honest. So I can't say that I've had a, a negative experience. However, I can say I had the most challenging experience and that was with my health. I was, it was a few years ago and I was speaking at a women's Christmas tea, and they had oh goodness, three to five hundred people that I was speaking in front of, and to make matters worse, it was about an hour and a half or so away from where I lived, and so I told them, you know, I don't need a hotel or anything; I'll just drive up. Well, ended up a blizzard that night, total total blizzard. So driving there and not being able to see more than I swear, you know, maybe five inches in front of you, it was horrible. And it was in a canyon. So, right. So let's just make matters worse. I feel like back when our, our parents would tell us, you know, I walked to school in our bare feet both ways. Well, that's how I felt going to this, this <laughs> place that I was going to go speak. It, it was just, it was very hard to get there and, and accommodations for that could have been worse. However, it was the the health that I was experiencing. I was uh, experiencing some laryngitis. And so I was having a hard time mm. even be able to speak. And all the way up there, like I'm drinking water and tea and you know, doing the throat lozenges. And I thought, how in the world am I going to speak? How how is this even gonna happen? And I had no clue. I really didn't. I thought I was gonna have to get there, show that, like go to communicate with them so they could hear that wow, she really has nothing, and then we'd have to go to plan B, you know, type thing. Like I really wasn't sure how this was gonna come out. But I got up there when we got into uh, the the administration group that was overseeing the event you know we they take me into the kind of the green room and we go to talk and and they can hear, I have nothing but a whisper. And, and they're like, are you, are you okay? Are you going to be able to do this? I'm like, I don't know what we well, you know we're just going to, we're going to have to see. <laughs> so the good thing is, is we had about a, a 30 or 45 minute kind of dinner beforehand where everyone was kind of just getting to know each other and so forth and connecting before I was to go up. And so they took me to this, this nice honored spot uh, to, to sit and they told everyone around me, don't, do anything to have her talk to you. She has to save her voice for up there because she's losing her voice. And I remember the looks on their faces, but so fortunately they had allowed me to bring my mom with me and she was always my biggest supporter. And so she just carried that conversation for me (laughs) the entire time. And I sat there again, drinking and drinking. So by the time I went up, Total praise to God. I was able to have a voice for that 30 minutes that I spoke and I was so, so grateful. So once I was done with that, um, then I was able to go back and and sit and drink and all of that type of stuff. So anyhow, I I was, I was amazed. I was able to complete that. Um, But so thankful to God that he gave me the voice. Just long enough, and going home, I had no voice. It was gone again, and I didn't have it for a few days. So, truly, truly amazing, amazing uh, opportunity, but truly something I credit to God.
0: <laughs> that is fantastic. I lo- <laughs> I would have loved to see the reactions of like, no, 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 she can't talk, you <laughs> right? Talk amongst yourself. She she does not speak. Well, to and <laughs> for
1: me, I'm such a talker that I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. Like, there's so much guilt right now. have I hurt your feelings? <laughs> or so I was like, no, just get over it. <laughs>
0: Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> now, something else we've kind of touched on a little bit of, of all the different people who have helped out in various stages along the way, which I think ties in nicely with mentorship in general. Yeah. And I yeah. think people – I know sometimes like, especially when I was growing up, I'd hear mentor and I was like, oh, this is like an older person who's been through a lot that I can just – Go meet up with for like four hours and be like hey tell me everything tell me all your secrets (laughs) soak
1: it in soak it in which
0: yes which very well could be a a mentorship but it can look all kinds of different ways so how can people go about finding a mentor that is a good fit for them and do you have a single person who's been your most impactful mentor (gasps)
1: Yeah. Uh, Let me answer. I'm going to answer those backwards. So first of all, do I have a mentor? Absolutely. And I have been so blessed that my mentors have come so close in proximity to me, as well as relationally to me. So first and foremost, the most spiritual person I know is my dad. He is a a retired senior pastor, uh, was for over 30 years. And so I know I can go to him with anything and everything. And and he is one truly, I just, it's like sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? I just want to soak it up, soak it up. and, And I just can't and get it enough. that my brain just doesn't work like that so he is definitely my spiritual mentor and then my mom I'm not sure I've, I've ever known someone to have a heart like my mother. And so she was one I could go to with anything in life, whether it be raising my kids or how to overcome this, this hurt I felt in a relationship, a friendship, or, or what to do in, in this situation. Or even as I shared, she would come to all my speaking gigs and, and just give me critiques afterward of, Oh, you could have improved here. Oh, I like really this, you know, whatever. So, uh, she was a great mentor in that. My sister and her husband are just exceptional parents. And so they are a mentor to me in the parental role. And then, of course, my brother, I I know of no other strong businessman, uh, businesswoman, businessman, for that matter, than my brother. And so he's been some wise counsel on leadership and in business. So those are are my circle. And that's where I would go to advise listeners that it doesn't have to be one person. And so often we can sit there and go, okay, we're going to look for one person to mentor me. And my mom, she used to always say growing up, have someone that you look up to that is a mentor to you, but then pass that on to someone. But I think we've kind of developed into an age where it's not just that one person, but it's a more of a team. And I think that's where it's so important to not be the smartest person in the room, right? Or the smartest person at the table, because what are you learning from? What are you growing? How are you growing? And so it's so important to surround yourself with other people who are exceptional in areas where, where perhaps you're a little bit weaker or, or just not as educated or things just don't come as natural or gifted to you. And you can look for those in all different arenas. That might be in, if you're involved in church, in your church, or if you're involved in community groups or networking groups or again at work or in your own family, friendships, even neighbors. I had a a neighbor that moved a few years ago and when I was getting my master's degree, I and my math is just not my forte, right? We were talking (laughs) math earlier and I'm like, sure, whatever you want to (laughs) say. I'm not going to try and guess what that line is. (laughs) But but he was a great mentor to me in that. And I totally credit him as to how I even passed that class. But so not to be so narrow-minded that we think this is the only way a mentor looks, and this is the only place we can find a mentor. Be more open. And our mentors can come from all ages, too. When my mother was a, a younger pastor's wife, she had older people in the church congregation teach her how to do canning. And that is something she was able to then, throughout the years, teach other people, and then even do for others, right? At the the same time, uh, she also was able to learn how to sew and so forth from some of the younger ones. And then she was able to later on in life, be able to, to impact at Huntsman Cancer Institute, making over 200 robes for cancer patients. So again, look for those who are older than us, look for those who are younger than us that can teach us things, but then also look at our, our circles that we're in, just everyday life and, and learn from them and reach out to them. Hey, would, would you mind kind of being my mentor. I mean, sometimes it just happens. But other times, if you just reach out and ask, they'll, they'll have more of an intentional connection with you.
0: I like that. We're going to give your brother a shout out as well. What's something that he has consulted you on that you're like, oh, that was good?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, well, I, I have to shout out, he actually is getting ready to retire. So I'm so proud of him. He's been in the same business for over 28 years. So amazing, amazing man. But I, I think one thing that he really helped me with is the leadership of other people he was really, in fact, on Holly's highlights, uh, my podcast on season one, episode two, I believe it was, I had him on for how to be a leader, others follow. And he is that I mean, to the point that when they moved him to another location, they had to say, but you can't take anyone with you, because they all wanted to follow him. So I think that's one of the main things that he would help me on is is how to positively influence other people when when sometimes I was, too tentative on hurting their feelings or how this would impact them or their family on decisions I had to make. And uh, he was very influential in just helping me get through that in in doing so in a caring touch, but then also with a a business mindset.
0: Love it. Now, of course, we've talked a lot of business. Yeah. We got to have some play too. So you're almost off the hook here, but we always wrap up with a top three. (laughs) And what are your top three vacation destinations?
1: Ooh, uh, my top three vacation destinations that I want to travel to would number one be Prague. And that, that is simply going back to my brother. He has traveled everywhere and he said Prague was, was his favorite. So I want to go there. Uh, second one would be the Mediterranean, specifically Venice. I want to go and just do a gondola ride. And, and I know Paris isn't necessarily right there, but I, I attach Paris into the Mediterranean because I'm willing to do that little plane hopper. Uh, and then the third one would be Greece. And again, going back to my parents, they traveled a lot, and that was their favorite. So I'd like to experience, yeah, Prague, Mediterranean, including Paris, and then Greece.
0: Lovely. Well, I, I, if, if you'd like to tap your brother, I will be in Prague days after your <gasps> book comes out. So no I, please send any recommendations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will, I will. I'll check with them.
0: Excellent. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for a lovely... Wonderful conversation. I know we were talking beforehand. I always feel inspired at the end of these podcasts. Mission accomplished again. Because oh, this was well, fantastic.
1: It was such an honor to be on. So thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if people want to learn more about you, check out all of the things that you're doing. I feel like I need a, a pen and paper for all the all the things to go through and make sure I'm I'm finding everything. Where can they find you?
1: I'll make it so simple. Just go to hollykirby.com. So that's H-O-L-L-Y-C-U-R-B-Y.com. Has everything there. As far as the book, it's available wherever you purchase your book. So all bookstores as well as online retailers. So whether it be Barnes & Noble, Walmart, or even going on and doing Amazon or thrift books, it's available. So go ahead and check it out. Thank you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you again, Holly. This is so much fun. I mean, of course, we've got to end with a corny joke, as we always do. (laughs) Okay. Why are spiders so smart?
1: Ooh! I feel like this should have something to do with their eight legs, but I give up. Why?
0: Well, they can find everything on the web.
1: Oh! Get after
0: that, people. <laughs> <laughs>